Yo, 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 yo. Shot callers back in the building, boys. What's going on? It's your host, Ben Brown. We're back here with Shot Callers crew. I got my boy above me, producer Tim. What's going on, my brother? Hey, man. I got a little um, Return of the Jedi behind me today, as you can see. Yes, um, sir. You see, I'm repping my buck guys, no doubt about it. We don't need to talk football anymore, Ben. <laughs> football ended January 1st, 2021. <laughs> Nothing's happened since then. Oh, man, that's hilarious. And to my bottom, my brother, my ace, Buku, my number one, Joshua, Odellis, Pharrellis, Montellus, Overzealous, Hayes. What's good, my brother? Hey, my man, how we doing today? I'm uh, I'm still trying not to be out of the, the holiday spirit, as you can see behind me, but uh, happy <laughs> 2021. Um, trying to get this year started off right. And um, as you can see, I'm actually sitting here rocking the Cincinnati's own native brand. Yes, sir. Support local business, baby. There, I had them had them throw me together a little bit of a uh, of a, if you can see that area code right there. That's a Pittsburgh area code. You know, rocking <laughs> yellow. We get ready for these playoffs real quick. But we're not talking football. We're talking NBA basketball. So I'm ready to get it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, we don't no talk. About uh, we don't talk Pittsburgh sports on this on this show. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's football team, man. Hey, that's like the goat debate, right, Tim? We don't do the goat debate. Nope, right? No goat debate. No Pittsburgh talk. <laughs> no Pittsburgh. <laughs> no reference to Levar Ball. All right, no those are the three rules. <laughs> Never lost. <laughs> that no reference. Yeah. <laughs> so, gentlemen, as it sits right now, and I know the. There are some games currently going on, but I'm going on. We were talking earlier today about some of the teams that we are buying and selling these first couple weeks of the season. Uh, we've got the Sixers, uh, who are 5-1. and one. Phoenix is actually down right now, but they are currently 5-1. and one. Uh, We've got the Denver team that we thought was going to be kind of there in the mix is currently 1-4. and four. Uh, a Toronto team that's coming off, uh, you know, they won a championship a few years back, had a good run in the bubble. They're one and four. And I believe the Wizards one tonight beat the Nets, but they are two and five with an updated roster of Westbrook and Beal as that backcourt. So, gentlemen, I'm going to start first with the Phoenix Suns. Five and one. Are you buying them or are you selling them? Are you believing in the hype of Chris Paul and his leadership, Devin Booker's scoring ability, uh, DeAndre Ayton manning in that middle? Are we buying that, or are we saying, eh, it's early in the season, they'll still fall back to that old Phoenix form? I think Timmy that, D, what do you, where, Josh, what do you think, uh, brother? I, I was going to say, I'm going to go really quick on this one. Um, I, bought in, I bought in on Phoenix in the bubble, and um, I think just getting Chris Paul alone gives them leadership with a bunch of those young players. And um, I, I said last year that they should have changed the rules to allow Phoenix to play in the playoffs in the bubble. And I'm thinking Phoenix has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They're, they're playoff worthy. So I'm in. I'm sold. Okay. That's quick. I'm quicking out. <laughs> <laughs> bubble Phoenix came back for me. There you go. So I'll say they're I definitely think they're a playoff team. I've been high on them. Um, you know, the bubble, the bubble suns, as Josh referenced, was obviously incredible. Um, you gotta love the pairing of 
um, Chris Paul to go with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges has been really good. So yeah, I, I believe that they are a really good team. I just am not hundred percent to the point where I feel like they are, you know, five and one per se performance wise. And my main reason is strictly because they're 22nd in the league in scoring right now. So the okay. winning streak's great, but I feel like if they're going to kind of take that next step, be out of that play and run and be one of those playoff contenders, they're going to have to start scoring more. I mean, 108 points per game. I know this is a different league right now, especially um, to put in context right now, here are the teams that are above them just by a little bit. The, the Cavaliers are also at 108 even. So they're tied with them for 22nd. Uh, the Warriors at 108.2. The Hornets are 108.3. And right underneath them at 106.6 is the Dallas Mavericks, who are also getting off to a slow start with Luka Doncic's uh, struggling scoring ability. So, yeah, I really like this team. I like the talent. I like the way they put this roster together. I, I, I really believe in Monty Williams, not just because he went to Notre Dame, um, but because I think he is a good coach. And obviously having Chris Paul, the point guard, uh, your team's basically – you know, promise to be a playoff contender. Um, I just want to see them score more before I feel more comfortable with them. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that for sure. Um, I know we talked about, you know, the beginning of the season that once a team picks up Chris Paul, a guy that gifted and that good of a leader, and you've got that young talent around you, that there were the possibilities of them doing some really special things as far as making it to the playoffs and, and, and being in contention kind of all year um, the bubble kind of showed us that as well um, you know those guys those young guys played hard and, and you know they they did some pretty spectacular things so you add a crisp paw to that and you're only going to get better I believe so um, Tim I agree with you they're going to have to put the ball in the basket a lot more um, in order for them to kind of maintain now now I don't think they'll continue at a pace of five and one but um, to see them finish in that six, seven spot. I mean, that, I, I think that's a, a, uh, obtainable goal for them. Um, and I, and I think that that's, that'll be a good spot for them and, and, and a, an improvement of where they've been the last several years, you know, um, being a, a lottery team. So, um, I, I like this Phoenix Suns team a lot. Yeah. Sorry, not to. As we're talking, as we're talking right now, they're down 17 to the Clippers. Yeah. And um, preseason P is what I'm calling <laughs> right now. Uh, preseason P with 27 going in the third quarter. Okay. Preseason P is trying to uh, he's trying to redeem himself. I think if he just is quiet and doesn't say anything, I think people will, will feel a lot better about preseason P. Me especially. Uh, especially Tim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just don't talk. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. Side note on that, Tim, you brought up a good point about that Dallas Mavericks team. Uh, and we'll get back to what we were going here in a second. But Luka Doncic, um, I know everybody kind of had him as the uh, season favorite for the MVP. Uh, we've seen him struggle a little bit. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like as far as like you think people are just game playing around because he doesn't have really have anybody else or or. You think he's trying to do too much? I mean, what do you what do you think about about Luca's play so far this year? I think it's a recipe of both those things you just mentioned. Honestly, um, I think right now it's just with him kind of, you know, he's always going to run the show, but mm-hmm. now it's him running the show with, you know, THJ's there obviously, and THJ's a good talent, but they don't have that, you know, that Kristaps Porzingis right now to go with them. That's someone who can kind of take the pressure off him, and. 
you know, the shot selection isn't the best right now. So that does concern me. Um, but, you know, we all know he has another worldly talent. The skill set, we yeah. know no one, not, very few people have that. Um, I know he's playing right now. He's actually out tonight against the Bulls. So good yeah. news for Josh and I. Um, <laughs> he had a really good game against the Heat, you know, the other night when they let, they beat him by 10. Yeah. So I think it's going to, you know, I think it's coming together. The way Rick Carlisle's talking, it seems like Porzingis is looking more towards February for coming back, not okay. this month here in January. And that's obviously going to give them a big jump. But, you know, I don't know if I trust a situation where they're counting on guys like Jalen Brunson to start games. Not that Jalen Brunson's a bad player, but, you know, when you go against, like Josh mentioned, the Clippers and their backcourt is pretty darn nice right now. Uh, the mm-hmm. way Pat Bev has really kind of bumped up his game for them. And, you know, and, you know, Paul George is kind of scoring again at Paul George levels uh, per night. And Kawhi Leonard's wearing that clear exorcist mask that's going on right now, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, I just, I think at some point, you know, this was a team last year that was the, the, the best offense in the league. I think we're going to see them get back to that. I don't know if they'll be number one again, but I do think they'll be a top 10 offense again. Yeah. I, I just think Porzingis changes the whole picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If he if he can give them a couple months in the season, three months in the season, I think you're going to see Luca's numbers shoot up, and I think you're going to see Dallas shoot up. Um, I don't really truly know what the extent of Porzingis's knee injury was. I don't know what they actually called it. And I know he had surgery already. I mean, they originally were thinking he was going to make it back in the bubble for the playoffs, and then all of a sudden that was nixed. And then um, obviously you're talking you go all the way down to the season starting and he's not here. And like you said, Tim, you're talking another month before he's back. Um, I, I don't really know if they're just holding him out at this point for precautionary reasons, or if uh, it was just that long of a timetable for him to get healthy. But he's, yeah. probably the, I mean, we've already seen, especially even more so now than any time probably in the NBA, like you can't be a, a lone superstar and win on your own. Like you need another piece to help. And Porzingis was his piece. And uh, we saw Porzingis when he was healthy last year. Like we saw those glimpses of why they called him the unicorn. And um, I'd like to see him get him back. Uh, that, that, that duo was pretty, could be pretty special for a lot of years to come. Oh, hell, his last healthy year with the Knicks, he was incredible. Mm-hmm. It was so good. So, yeah, Josh, you're 100% right. I, I do want to see that again, obviously. Of course, Porzingis is just a special talent. There's very few like him. And, you know, I, I totally agree. Just to further your point, he just he just changes the picture. Um, you know, right now they can blitz Luca and try to get the ball out of his hands faster because, you know, is Dwight Powell open on the block or is it right. going to be Christoph Porzingis open on the block? And that just makes right. a whole lot of difference. Yeah. It, yeah, it makes a world of difference. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so get, let's get back on uh, buy or sell. Um, <laughs> I I love this team, but they always break our heart. The 5-1 and one 76ers. Are we buying or selling this new-look Sixer team uh, with Doc Rivers now at the helm? Are we buying or selling? They are five and one. Joel Embiid has played extraordinarily well, averaging 25 and almost 13 rebounds a game. Uh, ben Simmons has played well. Tobias Harris, which 
Yeah. You know, we've always talked about, man, he's been just sneaky good. Nobody gives him near enough credit for how well he plays. I know. Um, Tim was, to make a tra- was supposed to trade me for him. <laughs> hey, hey, right now I'm praying that someone sends me an offer for Spicy P, and I, I'm not counting Spicy, on it, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's more well, like we're, mild yeah, we're gonna get. The, yeah, we, we may get the Spicy P here in a minute um, because I, I, there's something going on there. But anyway. 76ers, Timmy Diesel, are we buying or are we selling the 76ers right now? I'm buying. Um, I've been very critical of Doc Rivers probably more than anyone on this network for a few years. So, yeah, I'm expecting the other shoe to drop at some point. But, you know, the special talent that they have in Ben Simmons, the special talent of Joel Embiid, and he's kind of having that Fred Van Vliet run. You know what I'm talking about? When, like, when Fred Van Vliet had his baby and then yep. and right before the finals and went nuts. Yep. So yep. Embiid's kind of having that run. He's just became a father. Actually, like, right – I think it was during it, the bubble. It was in uh, the bubble, yeah. Yeah, he, it's so – you know, he's got those guys. Um, I like other pieces. You know, they went out and they got some shooting. I was bringing in Seth Curry. Tyrese Maxey's played really well for that team as a rookie. He has. Yeah, I like – I mean, I yep. really like their pieces – and I think defensively, they're just really good. They aren't scoring a whole lot. You know, they're – I have the scoring I have the scoring chart up right now. So the Sixers are 16th in the league in scoring right now. So they're right in the middle of the pack. And, you know, granted, it's six games. But the way they're mm-hmm. winning games is they are not letting people into the post, and you better outshoot them, or right now you don't have a shot against them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Odellis Ferrellis, are you buying or selling – the 76ers. Um, I'm going to tell you guys kind of what I told you in our text thread is I am buying the Sixers to get to the exact same spot they've been getting to. And Doc's going to have to sell me on the rest to get them past the Eastern Conference semifinals or the Eastern Conference finals and put them in the finals. And maybe he puts together a run like he did when he had Boston. Um I, if you look at the way this team is constructed, um, I think this is the first time that Philly's had kind of everything that they needed. I know they used to have J.J. Redick and they had Al Horford, and they, but, like, the, the way this team is constructed, it fits different. Um, you know, the offense pretty much goes through Embiid at this point, and um, I think it makes everybody else kind of play their roles a little better. So you have, like, the Tobias Harris who's on the wing and – you know, you have Danny Green and Seth Curry who are more of spot-up shooters. Um, so Simmons has the ball in his hands. He can make plays. And I'm actually going to throw this out here because, Tim, you said something about their scoring. And we talked about how sneaky Tobias Harris has been since he's been there. But um, the Sixers last played yesterday. They put up 127, which is a pretty decent – I mean, it's a high-scoring game, 127. But – Across the board, their starters went Harris with 24, Embiid had 19 and 14. Uh, ben Simmons had a triple-double. He had 15, 11, and 12. Danny Green had 13, and he was 50% from the three-point range. And Seth Curry had 21, and he was 50% from the three-point range. And then off the bench, uh, usually their first guy off the bench is Milton. He had 20. Um, I mean, that's a lot of points right there out of six guys. And they still played, I think, 10 or 11 guys in their rotation. And um, when you're getting that kind of output and the ball spread around like that, and I think it all starts with Ben Simmons, they're, they're going to be really hard to beat because even on a day where, where uh, MB doesn't have to put up, you know, a high 20 to 30-point game, 
you got somebody else putting up 20 like Harrison's Curry, um, where I think last year, you know, I think the struggle was is you had a, a guy who was supposed to be the leader like Al Horford, um, and there was just a lot of, of I, I just think there was a lot of animosity in, in, in how that was being ran. Um, I think Doc is the one that was able to come in. I just think Doc's an East Coast guy. I think he's an East Coast guy that likes to play East Coast basketball. Um, this team is built a lot like how he had that Celtics team back in the day. And uh, I really think that that the Sixers, if he can keep control of that locker room and he can keep it to where this is how they're going to play ball, like they're going to be really hard to beat. I think that five yeah. and one, I think that five and one start is is accurate. Yeah. Uh, I think both of you all brought up a really good point, um, and that's going through Joel Embiid. Um, I, I think that if Embiid can keep up this pace of being a 25 and 13 guy, um, I, I think that that makes them, you know, almost an unstoppable because now you've put shooters on the floor with them. Uh, you have a Ben Simmons that can create um, and, and you have a, a, a Doc Rivers who, I mean, yeah, has he failed? Yes, but he also has a ring as a coach. Um, so he does have success uh, to an extent. Um, but I, I think that you put all those things together. I think that Embiid has to play like this consistently. And that's where we've, we're have we praying that he stays there because what we've seen in the past is that he's been this and then he's been down where he, well, you know, when we get an injury or hurt, hurt a foot or, or then he, you know, he'll have stretches where he'll go like uh, twelve and six, and, and and like, and then they cut, fall into a lull. You know, if Embiid can maintain this pace of play, um, I think that the sky is the limit for them because I think that he is a guy, and we've said this multiple times on this show that Embiid is a guy that uh, has MVP caliber ability in him if he plays consistently night in and night out. Um, so uh, I, I like the Sixers team um, for all the points that you guys have brought up. Um, and, and especially if Joel Embiid continues to play like the Joel Embiid that we're seeing this season uh, and constant, you know, with, with uh, 25 and 13, I mean, that Joel Embiid will get them That's further the than they've ever been. So I want to bring this up real quick before we move to the next team, just kind of, um, you know, we talked about, the, you know, they're not scoring a ton, but they're playing so well defensively. Like Josh mentioned, they had that night last night. They're ninth in the league in field goal percentage as a team. So that's crazy. What they're doing is they're beating you defensively and they're making they're making their shots. So like shots, yeah. something they weren't doing last year. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So I don't know if people know how basketball works, but if you make baskets and stop the other team from scoring, <laughs> you're doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I'll ask you this too before we go to the next team. So the Lakers are number one in the league in field goal percentage right now as a team at 50.4. None of us are shocked by that. No. Do you guys know who's number two without looking at your phone? Oh. <sighs> this is going into tonight, I should mention, by the way. Number two in shooting percentage. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there and say Indianapolis or Indiana Pacers. Is it Indy? 49.4 is what they're shooting as a team. Is it really Indy? It's Indy. Yeah. That was I know they've shot the lights out, dude. We, we've shot the <laughs> ball really well. Yeah. I do know that. Uh, we do. I mean, we struggle to get stops at time, but we've definitely shot it well, for sure. Well, I mean, Miles, Turner, Miles Turner's averaging 13 blocks a game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't know. I did not realize we were shooting that higher percentage. Though. Uh, and by the way, the Phoenix Suns have climbed within seven uh, hey, at the end well, of three. So right now in the Eastern Conference playoff start today, Brooklyn and Miami are the two teams out, and Cleveland and New York are the two teams that are in. Yeah. Does that yep, it's change at any point during the season? Absolutely. <laughs> I talked to my man. Uh, I talked to my man John Santa about this because he's been he's very Cleveland. We talked about it on that large bid this week, and he's happy, but you know, yeah, he's honest. Yeah, and he's so. a, and by the way, he, if you have not had a chance to go listen to that large bid with John Fan, it it was an awesome podcast. Um, he he's very Cleveland, but he's also so knowledgeable about college basketball, the Big East. That conversation was amazing. Big ups to you uh, and T on getting that awesome interview with John. I mean, you guys, you guys knocked it out of the park. It was awesome. So if you yeah. haven't had a chance to go listen to that, go check it out. It, it was an awesome, awesome I conversation. Th- I do think I'm a believer in Team Sex Land for the future, though. Darius Garland, Colin <laughs> Sexton, like, I yep. like that team. They're fun. I do. I, I, I do, too. Um, and I think the best thing for uh, – honestly, I mean, I know we're getting off topic, but the best thing for them – uh, maybe to move Kevin Love, like, like I, I, to try to get something for value for him while you can, uh, because I think that team is young, uh, um, and those two guards are going to be dynamic for years to come if they keep them together. Even if, get a, even if they can figure out how to get a draft pick, like a first round draft pick for future, I mean, those guys are yeah. so young, and you know yep. what? I don't know why he's like a forgotten. I've been sold, and I love Andre Drummond. I've yeah. loved since he came into the league. And I, I don't understand why he – I'm sure we'll talk about this because I, I, I know that one of the things we wanted to talk about was Rudy Gobert's contract and, and the comments that Shaq had said earlier. Yeah. So I'm going to throw that in there, so I'll just wait for that and we'll move forward. But um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Andre Drummond. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we love Andre Drummond here at uh, 48 Minutes Network. Uh, he's, he's always been a staple of conversations just about just how hard he plays and that's Nobody realizing that he's getting 21 rebounds well, and games. And, 20 guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like just just the just some of the things that he's done. Like he, you know, he's definitely for some odd reason under the radar. But yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that we've always discussed as being just uh, dynamic. So um, the next team that I wanted to discuss, and and this is one of the teams that we had talked about um, being a, a top contender. Uh, in the West is the two and now now two and four Denver Nuggets. Um, this was a team that we had all seen that we thought that they'd be contending in the West. Um, as of you know, as of now, like I said, they got a win tonight against uh, the Timberwolves. Um, but you know, they've got. I mean, uh, I'll grant it. Now they they played the Clippers, the Rockets, uh, and the Suns. Uh, so, I mean, that's three of their four losses. And one of their losses is to the Kings. But, um, two of them the Kings. Oh, yeah, they do have a second one, too. Yep, they do. So, Suns, they lost to the Suns, two to the Kings, and one to the Clippers. Um, are, are, are we buying or selling Denver at two and four? Do we think this is just a bad spot for them? Or do we think that that, that kind of Denver magic has worn off? Well, I think that Team 48 Minutes, as in the three of us, Sean and TB, uh, we might be able to score 60 on the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, if you look at these games they're losing, like if you get to 120 on the Nuggets. Yeah, that's it. They, that's a wrap. Yeah, it's that a wrap. Was, that was, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> like, 
But yeah, let I me mean, let's let's look at it. So even even to like even tonight they gave up one oh nine and and they can't uh, stop anybody. Game. Yeah. They can't so stop I mean their their losses, their losses, they gave up one oh six, one twenty five, one twenty one, and one twenty four. And the one twenty five and one twenty four are to the Kings. <laughs> I do love my guy Tyrese Halliburton. He's been great, but yeah, oh. I, I agree, man. Like, they just they can't stop anybody. Like that's, yeah. and they're not very deep anymore. Like I thought this team would get more and more developed because we saw this glimpse of the bull ball, and we see Michael Porter Jr. scoring buckets. I mean, they can score. I mean, they can score mm-hmm. on they can score on anybody, but they can't stop anybody. They're like yeah. you're, they're St. John's. Like if we're going <laughs> to the Eastern, it's like they're the classic St. John's team of like we'll go out there and put buckets on you, but you guys are gonna get buckets right back. Right. <laughs> you guys want to trade trade baskets? See what happens. <laughs> we can play that game. We can play that game. We got that all day. <laughs> um yeah, I, I I thought that the the youth um and their depth would emerge a little bit, but it, it's uh like you said, yeah, they can't they can't stop a soul. They can't stop a soul. Uh Odellis, you buying or selling nuggets, you think that they're gonna climb out of this uh, non-defensive uh, depth, or you think that they'll uh, that they'll uh, they'll make a run here and try to get some stops on some people? Okay, we're 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 six games into a seventy-game season. Mm-hmm. So let let me go this route because as much as we all loved the fact that we got to watch NBA basketball in a bubble in Orlando. Um, a place that I was not allowed to go into. <laughs> Me neither, man. Me neither. I almost got arrested. <laughs> I I watched Denver in the bubble, and they played back-to-back seven-game series where they were down and came back in one series against Utah and then again um, – the Clippers. And I think by the time they got to the Lakers, they were just out of gas. And I think, you know, they, they there was a game in there that they, they should have won that Davis hit the, the game winning three, um, which caused them, I think, to fall after that. They fought in a couple games and they had to lead late, but, you know, the Lakers were just too much. And um, I think that took so much out of them. And then the season came and started again so fast. I think that Denver is in a position right now where they're just mentally not ready to start the season yet. I think this team's roster is too good. I think that they have too much talent um, for them to be able to be two and four and struggle to not make the playoffs. So I am going to sell the fact that at some point during this season, they will they will take a run um, and their best player or who we consider their best player in the bubble, which was Jamal Murray has not been playing good at all. Mm-hmm. He has just now started to have some decent games. Um, I think he went for 36 tonight um, and he can score in bunches. And uh, I think Jokic is actually the one guy on the team that's, that's kind of even kept them remotely close to, being competitive in some of these games that they're playing, but they've lost some close games. Um, you know, when you, when you look at that, how they've lost, um, I think I, we, we talked about you, would you say, Tim, if, if they give up 120, 
Yeah, if they gave up 120, it's, they, they lost. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they lost to the Suns by three. Um, they lost to the Warriors by two. Um, they lost to the Kings by two. So, I mean, they, this easily could have been turned around and they could be, you know, four and two instead of two and four. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write them off at, at six games in. Um, like I said, I think Murray in the bubble, um, you know, they, they got some guys back. I think they're going to start, I think they're going to start giving Porter a little bit more responsibility on the floor, start letting him take some more shots. I've already seen that guy could be about as good as any superstar in the NBA, given the mm-hmm. opportunity. Um, I don't know what's going on with Bol Bol. I, I honestly don't know if, if he's not allowed to play. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if they just decided they don't want to put him in the game. Um, you know, he was a rookie that got uh, an exempt so he could play in the bubble, and then all of a sudden he's not even out anywhere. Um, do you guys even know what's going on with him? Um, well, he told us he was going to win rookie of the year. Who, Bol Bol? Yeah, did, did, yeah. He, he said I was that. like, I didn't say goal. that. I was like, maybe he said that. Don't that's you put that goal. on me, Ricky Bobby. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so well, Marcus Howard plays for the Nuggets. Like Marquette, God, Marcus Howard plays for the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Jokic yeah. is averaging a triple double right now. Yeah, and he's leading the team in steals. Yeah, he's doing it all. Imagine I mean, if he was athletic. I know. You know <laughs> what I mean. But yeah, I mean he's he's definitely doing it all. I, I you know it, it's they're not losing because of Jokic. I mean no, it's, not it's, at all. You know it, I just think that and Josh, you brought up a good point. Like um, for them, I mean they had they had more time than of course the finals teams. But you know their turnaround for a young team like that is pretty quick. I mean they were they were down in the. I mean they had eighty something days in the bubble as well, and only probably about eighty days to get ready for the season. I mean. And it no roster like turnaround. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's, you know, no roster turnaround. And, and on top of that, like, those are all young players that had to give up a lot to go play in the bubble. And now they're turning around and, and you got another full season. And a lot can be said for that. I mean, a lot can be said for fatigue and tiredness and, and things like that. So, I'm with I you. Like on, I, like yeah. their, I like their top eight guys. I think oh, yeah. top eight guys. Absolutely. Um, I think their starting five is as good as anybody's. I agree. Uh, I agree. So I just I just think that the bubble took a lot out of them specifically. Like I said, you went back to back seven game series down three one. That's a lot, man, to fight back to, to fight back only to get to the championship to lose. You know, the Western yeah. to lose. I just think it's it's gonna take time for them, but I think they're fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that they've got a lot of talent that that they will score. Uh, yeah, they they just got to figure out a way how to get stops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but they're definitely gonna put the ball in the basket, and, and they've got to figure out a way to get stops for sure. And boy, Jokic, he, he's he's out here trying to he's trying to be the real MVP, man. <laughs> man, you ain't lying about that. You are not lying about that. Triple double and stealing a half a game and leaving steals. I mean, yeah, he's trying to do everything. You know the crazy. So, guys is that when you look at this roster for the nuggets you know you got a 25 year old jokic you got a 23 year old jamal murray michael porter is what 21 yeah <laughs> yeah i mean they're young i mean yeah no doubt about it 
the they're, other thing they're too, young, their roster's young, and and uh, I mean they've got all kinds of ability on that roster. Uh, son, the Suns are down four. And like a year like this, where there is no like big crowds, there's no Saturday night on prime time with the place mm-hmm. going nuts. The Nuggets are one of the few teams in the league that have a home court advantage because you know altitude and yeah. So like, you know. That's that's a big deal for them. They're like they're you know they're yeah. gonna have to use that to their advantage. So I agree with that. Absolutely. Um one of the other teams I wanted to bring up, and, and and I guess it's because you know this team is two years removed from an NBA championship, albeit with a uh, outstanding Kawhi Leonard. Um the Toronto Raptors, um they they re-sign Van Vliet. Um they don't have a whole lot of, of roster turnover, um, but they're currently sitting at one and four. Um, what do we think about this uh, Raptors team? And, and the reason why I bring them up is that um, I, I think that you're always expecting teams like the Toronto Raptors to be competitive um, and always be kind of in the mix. Uh, and not saying they're not, like I said, they're, they're five games into it, but to, for them to start off one and four, are we starting to see, um, you know, the Kyle Lowry's, uh, you know, we brought up Spicy P earlier. Um, he's not played like the guy we saw in the finals where we thought he was the next coming of Kawhi Leonard. Um, Van, v- Van Vliet has played, I mean, he's played okay, but, you know, that, that, that team is expected to win games and they're currently sitting at one and four. Uh, are you guys are you guys buying that they'll climb out of this hole, or do you think that this is just this is what they are now after that kind of NBA championship hangover, bubble play? Um, it, it, are the Raptors are the Raptors kind of in a bad spot, or you think this is something they'll climb out of? I'm back and forth. Um, I lean towards the foundation. The foundation is obviously there. But this is a team that is also playing in Tampa, Florida right now because they can't be in Toronto because of the COVID. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that plays a part. Um, Pascal Siakam has not been good really at all. Um, terrible. Yeah, and OG Ananobi, who I really kind of think projects in the future could be a better player than Pascal Siakam, is also mm-hmm. really struggling. He's scoring more. He's shooting better than Pascal. But I'm still waiting to see because I love OG. I've always been a fan of his game. Um, mm-hmm. But – this is a team, it seems like, you know, with Nick Nurse, you know, his few years he's been in the NBA, good things have happened with this with this organization, with this program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, man. Um, I have concerns for sure, especially when you look at the schedule coming up, Boston, Sacramento, Golden State. Um, you know, those are all teams that, you know, can, can stop you, and they are teams that can beat you, uh, especially mm-hmm. the Celtics. They just had a – you know, Jason Tatum hit a buzzer beater today. Granted, it's the Pistons, but – um, but they're still winning games. Yeah, they're they're winning, still I winning mean, they're winning games. games. You know, any way you need to win them, like buzzer beaters, uh, slug slugfest. You know, Boston's kind of winning games. Any way you slice it, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so I just kind of, I definitely think they'll be better. I just think that they need Pascal Siakam to be better. Yesterday, they need him to be better immediately. There's no you know, letting him like ride into it because this, this isn't the East that we've seen of old. This isn't, 
you know, LeBron running through the East, like it's nothing anymore. Like first, first, you know, we talked about earlier in the year, those first five or six teams in the East are good basketball teams. Yep. So, you know, it's time, you know, they got, they got to get in gear pretty soon. Like Josh said, I agree. It's only six games of a 72 game season, but you know, they don't have a whole lot of leeway like a team like Denver does because you know Denver has the scoring. And Toronto hasn't shown that ability to put the ball in the basket yet. Yeah. Josh, though, what are your thoughts? Um, I think there are two things that have happened to the Raptors um, that have caused this start to be a little bit rough. And Tim, you are correct. I, I, I think that when you're pulled away from where everybody else is playing in their home arenas and they're playing in Tampa, Florida, um, you know, Toronto is built on that same type of culture that I would say Miami's built on. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, and when you don't even have the culture to be around, you know, forget the fans, like just the culture, like we'll have the same daily routine of, you know, being at being in your home city, going into the arena, you know, having that daily grind of getting set up, like just the routine itself um, is a burden. But the thing that that I think um, is also a bigger struggle is, is I don't think what people will realize is there's a guy they had there for the last five years who's not there anymore, and that is Serge Ibaka. And mm. yep. you lose a guy that is, um, you know, a, a perennial, you know, what I would say upper tier defender. Um, you know, he's a somewhat of a rim protector. He's, he's had some years where he's averaged, you know, three blocks a game. And he wasn't that guy with Toronto, but he was still veteran leadership. Mark Gasol, veteran leadership. You lose those two guys, and now you are, you are uh, faced with a, a pretty – I think they also have a fairly young roster, um, you know, minus, minus uh, Lowry. Um, I think they have a pretty young roster as well, but when you lose that veteran leadership, I think that hurts a lot. We've already seen Ibaka make a presence with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a big presence, but that whatever he's averaging, you know, is 13 or 15 points a game. Like that's a big deal. Um, and, Abaka's is a guy that can make buckets when you need him. You know, he's a decent mid-range shooter. He can hit jump shots. He can hit the three. He can get you defensive plays. Um, I actually couple that with what Tim said uh, with the with the whole just playing away from home. And I think that that's just been a, 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 a train wreck of a start for them. And to be honest with you, I don't know if they're going to be able to turn it around. I really don't. I, yeah. I I just take too much toll on them unless they're able to get to a point where they're allowed to play back in their home arena and they can start having that, that normal routine of playing in the everyday NBA. Cause who the heck wants to play in Tampa for any sport period? Tom Brady. Hey, Tom Brady seems to love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Antonio Brown. Tom Brady, Tom uh, Brady, we said, we, we, I showed you guys the other day, Tom Brady likes to play against teams that aren't that good. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a different story. But uh, yeah, I think they really misserged the Baca and Marcus all a lot. Uh, yeah, more than maybe more than what they thought. That's they were. a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. That that's and, you know you, a lot of people don't think about that veteran leadership uh, and the stability there, especially with two guys that play the same position. Um, 
you know, you replace that with the Aaron Baines. It's just not the same. Uh, uh, you know, you don't get that same kind of leadership and and uh, rent protection and uh, kind of defense of of Star Wars as as, as uh, those two were. Um, Siakam's got to play better, man. Like I I hate to see that for him because you know two years ago, man, like he was just he was that dude, man. Like you know, he, yeah. I mean, he could do it all. He was their, he was one of their better defenders. He could he hit big shots. But but you know you know what else happened two years ago? Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, yeah. I you know, and it's funny that you you guys say that because it it, it is something about the pressure of playing with a guy that'll push you. That that's you know you you look at that and you see those types of things when you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard that's going to constantly try to make you better. And I think that's where people kind of miss uh, when superstars get traded. Um, you you got to kind of account for that stuff. It's it's the it's the Kawhi and the LeBron factor on one end is where you see the Russell Westbrook and the James Harden on the other end, where you know you get a LeBron. I mean, you could put go put LeBron with the Kings right now, and they'd be an NBA contender. They'd be a Finals contender. Because he's going to make De'Aaron Fox better. He's going to make Buddy Hield better. He's going to make all those guys on that roster better. Uh, and that's the same point that Tim brought up about James Harden. Like, you can trade him to Golden State, but is he going to make those guys better? Like, is he gifted? Absolutely. Can he score? Absolutely. Can he do all those things and he's a special talent? Absolutely. But is he going to make the guys around him better? Is he going to make them cha- give them championship uh, mentality? And, and I think that that's a great point you bring up, Josh, where Kawhi Leonard was there to kind of, you know, with that championship pedigree to push push that guy to make him better. And I don't know. I mean, not saying that Kyle Lowry is not a great leader. I like Kyle Lowry. I don't have anything against him. But he's not Kawhi Leonard. We've seen, so, seen Lowry in the playoffs just totally, like, check out and not even show up. Before. Yeah. But I also think there's this notion in what people don't realize about somebody like a Kawhi Leonard – is that we always hear about, oh, Kawhi is this quiet guy. Like, he doesn't say much. But, you know, everything I've ever read and seen and, 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 and like, behind closed doors, they say that – they say Kawhi is a, a monster. They say, like, he's, he's, like, the biggest trash talker in practice. Like, they say, like, he, he definitely – he's definitely saying and doing things that are pushing people to be better. It's not like – it's almost like he's this – He's a leader that doesn't want to have the limelight, but they said he leads a lot behind closed doors when it comes right. to that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, we don't see it on the surface. We just see a guy that goes out and just plays basketball. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently, he's got a pretty he's got a pretty good yapper on him, man. And he when he has to say that, <laughs> he does. Well, I, I think that you kind of saw the real Kawhi Leonard. Uh, was it last night or two nights ago? He did a press conference after wearing the uh, that face mask, and they asked him about, you know, something about, you know, Serge Ibaka or something like that. And he was like, "Yeah, Serge Ibaka's already on the trading block. We're already getting. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about Serge Ibaka. So, so like you know, Kawhi has that in him, and you know he's like that with his teammates. He expects the best, you know. So, especially a guy that has championship pedigree." Yeah, he was um, on Kimmel before the start of the season. He yeah. was hilarious. He was hilarious. Yeah. Wait, so, you know what Kawhi reminds me of? 
is I know this is this reference probably won't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but remember when Dave Chappelle did the uh, true E Hollywood story of Prince? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and remember when Prince was was out there with them and he was just he was shooting, he was like, good. Yep. <laughs> and you're the, the mysterious like thing or like aura around him, like yeah. Aura, yeah. So, like, they they say that's how Kawhi is when he's talking trash, like on the floor, like he'll get a rebound and be like, that's mine. Like, <laughs> call me, he, like he's out there like just call me to clean up man like he, they said he says stuff like that <laughs> definitely out there talking trash and he's like we just don't get to see it that much because you know they always talk about how quiet and how mute he is you know the yeah. same almost that same aura of like playing with the spurs so you had the tim duncan and the mono ginobili and the pop and the tony they didn't talk much and they kind of put Kawhi in that little in a little bubble with them but like He's definitely got his own sense of of being a leader. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Absolutely, Paul George to not try and be a leader and just follow suit. <laughs> right, just follow suit. <laughs> Paul, just don't talk. Everything's right. Fine. Just follow. Just, just follow suit. You're yeah. all right. That's funny. That Kevin Garnett was talking about some of his favorite trash talkers, and he was like Tim Duncan. He goes, "You guys didn't ever see it or never heard it, but Tita, Tim Duncan." He goes. He goes and he would he would uh, politely trash talk you, like uh -huh. he'd be like uh huh boy that shot sucked. <laughs> he'd, be like, he'd be like come on man how you gonna, how you gonna play my boy like that? He's like that, that's uh -huh. what I'm talking about. like people don't realize like all the great like you have to have that in you now. You know I would love to have a a show one day where we talk about stuff like this because I think maybe the most savage trash talker of all time was probably Larry Bird and it might not even be close. Oh but, yeah realize like the stuff that Larry Bird would say to people I wish there was a Larry Bird that played nowadays in the NBA I really do <laughs> the three-point shootout Larry Bird story is one of my favorites of all time uh -huh. the three-point when he like walks in he's like who's getting second who's finishing second <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. the other day when uh, he was going back and forth with Craig Hodges and yeah. uh, and uh Craig Hodges is like, you know where to find me, talking about they want to do a three-point contest. And Larry Bird was like, yeah, at the end of the bench. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's it, crazy. We'll have to – we need to do something like a, a trash talk episode. I, I I would like that for oh, sure. Oh, God. I would have to find a way for us to get Gary Payton on that show. I would like – I know. <laughs> I might have to send him money, but yeah. we would have to have him. Yeah, amazing. Oh, amazing he, was, he, was, he was one of the all-time greats too. Garnett yeah. talked about it. Garnett was on all the smoke. This was uh -huh. like last year. And he was talking about, he's like, one time we're playing the Sonics. He's like, and Gary Payton is talking trash while calling the offense and backing point the point guard down. All yep. the oh, and talking to the guy in the front row. And he's telling him <laughs> to shut up. And he said, talk, talking to everybody on the court. <laughs> yeah, Gary Payton, all, all time trash talker for sure. Hey, ben, speaking of speaking of trash talking, um, I don't know if this is a good way to lead into this, but we were we were all discussing this is one of the things we wanted to talk about was um Rudy Gobert's contract extension mm -hmm. and uh some of the comments that Shaq had made about Rudy Gobert. Um and I don't know if you want to go ahead and jump into that real quick while oh, we're yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd like to be a good leeway just to go ahead and go into it. Um, oh yeah. I have my thoughts on this, and um, I was having this conversation with somebody outside of us today, and um, wait, you I, talk to other people? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got the I've got the quote kind of pulled up here, and I and I'll read it off uh, 
per Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I believe this is from NBA Buzz. Shout out to NBA Buzz. Uh, Shaq says, I'm not going to hate, which to me, when you say but... I'm not going to hate, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to hate, but this should be an inspiration to all kids out there. If you average 11 points a game in the NBA, you can get 200 million. <laughs> Shaq. Um, uh, and I think we all sent this around in the, in the group text. Uh, uh, I don't know. Tim, I, I'll let you, I'll let you, cause you had a, a, a good point. Uh, what do you, what are you thinking about these comments? So normally when Shaq talks about like modern day players, I kind of roll my eyes, even though he is one of my all times, mm-hmm. um, you know, the way he just like trashed Dwight for when the Lakers win the title. And he's like, you didn't do anything to contribute to it. And his whole, like, don't call Anthony Davis a big man. Cause he's a power forward and all that stuff. It's like, dude, just let it be, just right. let it be. But here, like, I kind of don't disagree with him because Gobert is, you know, he's a bad dude on the defensive side of the ball. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it. Um, you know, especially like when he's like, he might be the best player in the game as far as like that drop coverage, pick and roll. Mm-hmm. But there are things about him that just really irk me. Um, yep. One of them is obviously he is not a very good leader. I don't know if I'm giving 200 mil to a guy who I don't know if I'm going to count on from time to time on the other side of the ball. Yep. Um, it's great. He can block shots. You know, it's great that he can get rebounds, but you know, when you see all these other centers, these, you know, Joel Embiid's, Nikola Jokic's, Anthony Davis's, they're multi-tool players. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know, Embiid is, well, you know, he stretches the floor. Jokic is one of the, you know, he's, he's this generation's Chris Weber at passing the yeah. ball at the block. Yeah. He's a big man playmaker. Absolutely. Yeah. In the, you know, like in Davis, it's just like Davis is a guard in the center's body, you know, mm-hmm. who plays power forward. So right. it's like Gobert is, you know, it's, you know, like I said, like every team needs that guy that's just going to go out there and kind of like, you know, get boards, block shots. He can guard the perimeter too, which mm-hmm. I feel like is not really mentioned much. Um, but I don't. But is he, is he 200 million though? No. Right. <laughs> not to mention. <laughs> he literally almost pissed Donovan Mitchell off enough to ask for a trade out of freaking Utah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I, I When I saw, when we all saw the contract, I was like, man, like, like that's, that's just not Rudy Gobert money. Like I, I, I don't see where you think locking Rudy Gobert up for two hundred million is going to benefit. I mean, yes, he plays wonderful defense. He, you know, but if I'm locking somebody up for twenty million, it better be, you know, twenty five, fourteen rebounds, four blocks a game. Like you got to be able to do it all. Um. Uh, playmaking ability because offensively he's almost non-existent like like you you know he he's not a guy that's gonna go out and get you uh you know he's not a guy you're gonna feed in the post late in the game and try to get you buckets where you're you're battling against you know a a, a lakers or or you know or denver or somebody like you're not gonna sit there and be like oh yeah the guy we need to feed is rudy gobert like nobody ever says that so I think that if you're going to make that kind of money, like you need to be the guy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that him being the tune. Now, I do agree with you on that. I don't think it's fair. And I, like I said, Shaq is my all, one of my all-time favorite players. Probably my all-time favorite player because I feel like uh, he changed the game. He was the most dominant big man. You know, for me, one of the most dominant big men ever to play the game. And, and but. 
I kind of feel the same way, Tim. Like when when the guys that have been through the game and they and they go back and you know they they got negative things to say. I'm like, dude, you you've already had your shine. You've already made your money. There's, there's no need. There's no need for you to go back and like. But you know, he he gets paid to be a commentator. He gets paid to for his opinion, which is fine. Um, but I'm with you on that. Like I, I you know I love Shaq, but you know to go back and say I'm not hating, but I mean that's essentially kind of what you're doing. So, yeah. um, Odellis Varelis, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on this one? Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to agree with the fact that I don't know if he's worth what I would consider the super max contract. Um, I don't think that he asked for the super max. I don't think he got the max that he could possibly get staying in Utah, but Here's where I'm going to disagree with you guys and tell you that he is worth the amount of if money based off of all the other contracts that are being signed in the NBA. So do you know who the highest paid center is in the NBA right now per year? Not off the top of my head, I do not. It is Steven Adams. Oof. Gosh, what? And if I'm um, remembering correctly, Stephen Adams makes uh, I don't know twenty nine million dollars a year, something like that. Do, are we? Do we consider Stephen Adams the best center in basketball to be the highest paid center in basketball? And then the next. Next is Joel Embiid at 29 million, and then Jokic is at 29 million. Carl Anthony Towns is at 29 million. Um, Drummond is at 28 million. And Gobert um, is underneath Al Horford at 27 million. I think Al Horford's at like 27.5. But here's what Gobert does bring to the table. And I, I, Tim, you said this earlier, and this is why I somewhat disagree, is that you said that the way that you have to win basketball games is to stop other teams from scoring. And then you have to be able to put the basketball in the basket to win. Um, I think Gobert gives you one half of that with his defensive presence. Um, and I don't know all the net ratings right now of Utah's defense um, with Gobert on the floor, even to start this season, but he's a two-time back-to-back defensive player of the year. He's a four-time um, All-NBA defensive team player. Uh, he's a three-time All All a three-time All-NBA team player. I'm actually shocked that he's only made one All-Star game, but his defensive presence alone on the floor has been enough to give him that. And I know his, his career averages aren't that high. He's still, he's still in his 20s. Um, I want to say last year he averaged like 16 and 13 or something like that, um, which I don't think are, are bad numbers. 15 and 14. Was it 16 and 14? 15 and 14. 15 and 14? Yeah, he's putting up 16 this year, 16 and 13 right now. Okay. Um, if he didn't stay in Utah, he's going to sign somewhere for – the same the same amount of money maybe not the same amount of years but he's going to get a max contract somewhere else just based off his defensive presence alone i know that you know we don't look at him as a leader um 
You know, I think he, he's one of those um, guys that came over and he feels entitled. Um, obviously, we watched the whole thing go down with the coronavirus incident with the microphone um, where he was, you know, trying to be jokey about it. And, you know, I don't even know if he really ever truly apologized to everybody on the inside. You know, you have another young centerpiece with, with Donovan Mitchell who you can't seem to get along with. So um, I'm not saying that they should have signed him for the money. But I'm saying he was going to get that money somewhere else. I don't know what the max would have been. Probably would have been like, I don't know, five years, 140 million, somewhere around there. Um, but he was going to get the money regardless. Utah was just the one that decided to give it to him. I don't know if Utah could have got something better in return than what they have with Gobert there. So I guess their next next option was to give him the money itself. But, you know, now that he gets that contract extension, like his defensive awareness is going to have to step up. Um, what, do you, what did he finish last year in defensive player of the year voting? Because it was it went Giannis and then Davis. Was he third? I think he may have so. been third, yeah. So yeah, I think so. He's going to be a perennial in the running for defensive player of the year. Every year probably he's in his prime of basketball. Um, I know that we all look at the game of – basketball and we say we look at the offensive stats and we say this player is the best because of his offensive stats um we say this player is so great because he can shoot the three ball but we never look at the other side of the ball and say look at this guy uh, defensively and what he does on the floor which is why we praise clay thompson so much is because of what that guy can do on the floor he guards everybody's best player every single game while still averaging 20 points a game jimmy butler Jimmy Butler, yeah, same way. Jimmy Butler is the same way. Um, there's not a lot of guys out on the floor that can do that because guys want to take breaks on defense so they can play offense. These guys go hard um, both, you know, on both sides of the floor. So I am I am in a grants with Gobert deserved money. I'm not a grants if it was the right move for Utah to make, but somebody was going to make the move eventually and put him on a roster where he was going to be a defensive cornerstone for that team. Uh, you know, that, those are great points. Um, I'm certainly don't think you're wrong by any point with that, especially, you know, I had no idea. Stephen Adams, what was Sam Presti doing with that contract? Good Lord. Before he made that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and I think part of it too, is just the frustration of, it seems like Utah is like, you know, we're all pretty passionate about the Jordan era, Chicago bulls. And like, we saw how bad those Utah teams were and how, you know, what they did to like, you know, they did get a couple games. Sure, they had a game in the finals that they lost by 43. But, like, it seems like that's, like, where they're, like, that's what they hang their hat on. It's, like, we took the Bulls the six two years in a row. We might not ever do better than that, so let's stay with where we are. <laughs> and yep. that annoys the shit out of me about teams. It's, like, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, maybe their thought was, like, well, you know, the Lakers won the finals last year by just bullying everybody. We can do that. We have Rudy Gobert. It's, like. Okay, who else you got to bully people? Like Mitchell's a really good two-way player, but like I don't know if he's like scaring people off the block, you know? So Right. Yeah. I just I think I just hate Utah as a franchise because I just feel like they're just always content. That's a good point. That's definitely a good point. You know, you know, Tell, I'm glad you said that. Um you and I being Bulls fans. Uh, which still to this day is just not good. I mean, <laughs> yeah. ever since ever since Derrick Rose went down with that injury, you know, I just felt like <laughs> I just felt like we could never win after that point. There's uh, a black cloud at the Berto Center. Oh my lord! 
Um, and, you know, as a, as a kid growing up, we, we got to witness literally the greatest thing that basketball had ever seen. And we, I don't think we actually knew what we were watching at the time. I, I really don't. I don't think that even you, Ben, I mean, being a Pacers fan, I know you got to watch it. I don't think what we were realizing what was, what was actually happening, why it was happening. We just yeah. there was this guy that was playing for the Bulls. We saw him come in. He, he had a different, he had this different aura about him. And then all of a sudden, all he's gone, he's, you know, you know, 30 years later or 20 years later, we're looking at it like, dang, like we really just watched. I mean, just like now, like we, we kind of understand it now because of what we watched with Jordan, like kids don't know what they're watching right now with LeBron James, like when he retires and then they 20 years from now, when they don't ever see a guy like that again, they're going to realize like, holy crap, I was watching, you know, literally the great, like one of the greatest to ever one play the one. game. And one I, took one. It, I took it for granted because I didn't understand at the time. Um, I think that same thing happened with us, you know, and Tim, I honestly don't think the Bulls, even though they did have those double back, you know, those double three-peats, I don't think they were the best team of all time. I really don't. When you look at how their roster was constructed, I just thought that Jordan was so much better than everybody else. He took that team and put them on his back. And I've always said the team that he lost to, um, that he got swept in the first round when he was, um, when you watched the last dance, was, the, was that Celtic team back in the early 80s. That's the team that I put, that's the team that I set as the cornerstone of like everything I've ever went back and watched told me that team was the greatest team of all time. And, um, you know, the, the Utah jazz, when, when they were playing the bulls, like they, it's almost like they were just happy to be there. And that, and that's, and that's going back to your point. Like we played the bulls, like we were just happy to be there. Like we thought we might be able to take them to a game seven, but you know, we really pissed Mike off and he told us that wasn't going to happen and we lost in six and we're like, oh, well, well, you know, we had two of the greatest to ever do it, but we couldn't get over that hump, Dosh on it. And now we're just going <laughs> to, we're just going to, we're just going to be mediocre for the next however long and hope one day that we get a guy that um, is going to allow us to win. And then they're like, oh, Rudy Gobert, he's one defensive player of the year twice, give him the money. And that's, that's kind of what I feel like their mindset is. And um, I, I, I love, Donovan Mitchell to death. You know, I'm a Louisville boy. He came from Louisville. He he's awful good, but like, he's not the type of guy that you're going to build. You can't build around him to win a championship, and it's never going to happen with him as the guy because he's. We we've already learned like he's too little. Like he's not a guy that can carry the team. Just like, um, you know, you look at somebody like Dame Lillard, and and like those guys are never going to win a championship no matter what they do because they need another person that's going to be able to help them. And that other person can't be a guy that's the same size as them running around doing the same thing that they do. So I think there's this piece of Utah that says, hey, we got our big man, we got our guard. Let us think that these are the two guys that can lead us back to the Stockton and Malone era. Um, the only problem is that Rudy Gobert is not Carl Malone. <laughs> and uh, Donovan Mitchell is not John Stockton. And uh, yeah they don't have the other pieces in place right now to even be able to remotely make a run. They need a, it, it just seems like every team that wins a championship, they have this ultra high graded, really good wing player that that is able to bring them to win in everything. And it's never a bunch. 
a point guard. It's a, it's a six seven, six eight, six nine wing guy. Come on, Josh. You know who they need? James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was leading, you know, I was leading into the trade. You know, I was leading into the trade for James Harden. <laughs> you know who they need? Stop, stop beating around the bush. You already know. Make it happen. <laughs> but even even when you look at even when you look at when Golden State was winning, like yeah, Clay's their guy, but they had Draymond at six nine and they have Clay at six seven. You know that were able to do other things, and it wasn't Curry with everything on his back. Yeah, you, like LeBron, LeBron is a six. I'm gonna give him six nine. He's a six yeah. nine freak of nature of nothing we have ever seen before. He's the biggest, strongest, fastest athlete on the floor. And he can do things that other guys can't do. And, you know, when you don't have a guy like that, like, that's how the NBA is built now. Unfortunately, that is how it's built. Yeah. Toronto won with wing guys. Yeah. Yeah. Good By the point. way, Steph Curry going into the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter is 45 points right now. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at that. What do you guys, Tim? Were we not just having this conversation before we started? I said he's. <laughs> right. going to, I said he is going to get it going, and he is eventually going to go. I just didn't know it was going to be tonight. <laughs> he's cooking. He's cooking. Yeah, he is cooking for sure. Jeff Curry in the building. Yes, he is. Chef Curry, no doubt. Um, uh, so we've been talking about it. Uh, Tim sent out a, a text earlier. Uh, a name, a blast from the past, and Tim, I'm gonna let you run with this. Uh. The X-Man, Xavier McDaniel, uh, in the last dance, uh, was it extra scenes or, or extra? Yeah, it was special features. It was the, um, so I was lucky enough that my mom for Christmas bought me the Blu-ray set. So mm-hmm. God bless my fiance who has had to sit next to me on the couch while I've watched all of this <laughs> all over again. Just because she's, it's, she's an angel. Yes, she is. She's a godsend for sure. Um, <laughs> so I, um. I was going through and we were kind of hanging out today, cleaning up the house. And I was like, I kind of see what's all in the special features. And there's some really cool stuff on there as far as like um, the full Sunday conversation that they used to do on SportsCenter, Stuart Scott and Michael Jordan unedited. That's really cool. Um, they talked to Phil Jackson about when Michael came back and he was like, he talked about like, I guess in 94, he was like, what if baseball doesn't work out? Would you want to play 25 games for us still? He's like, I think you retired your jersey too soon. And just little things like that. And I was like, just going through like, oh my God, more info. Cause I just, have to have more i have to have as much information as possible that's actually my flaw in life i'm learning um so xavier mcdaniel has a thing in there where he's talking about like the ultimate trash talkers and they talked about you know like he was this very physical dude like he was so he was freaking crazy built like and if you drove in the room on xavier mcdaniel and his phoenix in his uh seattle and new york days like you were getting injured like you were yeah. gonna have some bumps and bruises um so now not so much poor guy um (laughs) but uh the point that kind of made was like you know we were talking about is just like that kind of enforcer role that we saw in the 90s and even in the sense to the early 2000s we just don't have anymore Mm -hmm. um if you remember that vince mccarter that vince carter trace mcgrady team toronto was like we need that dude who's going to not only be our leader but he's going to come on like you know be physical with some dudes they got charles oakley yeah um and, you know, obviously he's part of that Knicks team. And, like, this kind of also, side note, proves my point that Patrick Ewing is at the point in his life now where he's very underrated because he had no offensive upside with him on those Knicks teams that he was taking to the playoffs every year. Right. Yeah, like, just none. 
No, None. like Greg Anthony was their starting point guard for a while. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, we don't have those guys anymore. And like, I think we saw a little bit of it with Draymond Green. And part of that's also because of the way the NBA is now. Um, we just don't have that. It feels like we just don't have that dude anymore. That Dennis Rodman, that mm-hmm. Charles Oakley, Horace Grant, Xavier McDaniel. I know I'm pretty specific in who I'm mentioning there. Mm-hmm. Robert Parrish. Yes, I know he also had a year with the Bulls. Um, just kind of going down that line of those dudes that you could count on to like, if you went to the rim and you got Kurt Rambist, yeah. that guy was going to be in your face. That guy, yeah. So yeah. we see, you know, I know we saw it the other night. Um, who was it? Jordan Clarkson shoved the referee. And then um, yeah. the Charlotte game, I can't remember who it was, but someone got into physical with us, with the Martin twins. Yeah. And like dragged them out of the bench. So, and you know, a lot of that is because the NBA wants to get away from that mentality. You know, obviously we know about the bad boy Pistons and Dennis Rodman and Bill Lambier, mm-hmm. Rick Mahorn. Um, so it just kind of made me like reminisce on just how I don't want to be that ever be the guy that says like, well, this day in NBA right. they're so soft and they're weak because I hate that stuff. But like, right. just kind of appreciation of having that teammate, not necessarily like, um, you know, the guy that's just out there just to hit somebody by any means, but just having that guy you could count on when things are tough and, you know. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan's out there dropping 40 on you. That guy's going to get in his face. It seems like, we're right. just, you know, like right now, Steph Curry's got 45. Do we expect Yusuf Nurkic is going to get in his face? I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah. And you brought that up and I, and I, you know, you go back and you think about, you know, for me, it was the Davis, Davis boys. Yes. Dale and, Dale and Antonio Day. Like <clears throat> you had your star in Reggie Miller. You had Rick Smith's. You know, you had Mark Jackson who ran the point, and then you had the Davis boys who were the enforcers. Like, you weren't going to touch Reggie Miller. You weren't going to beat him up. You weren't going to do anything. And 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 I think that coaches back in the day, they, they had these guys on their roster because, you know, you had superstars that you had to keep protected. I mean, you, you can't let uh, Michael Jordan go to the rim and get knocked down and not have a Charles Oakley or a Horace Grant um, or a Dennis Rodman come and to protect them that way you know what i mean and and all that bad boy stuff started of course with with the way that uh you know those guys were beating up on other teams in the league but it you know they had a starter protect isaiah thomas i mean that that was their guy i mean isaiah i mean was as tough as they come i mean he really didn't need any protection but you know that's where you get the land beers and the rodmans and the rick mahorns who would just you know, level and weight leg guys whenever, you know, whenever they seem fit. Um, and, you know, it, it makes you definitely reminisce. And, and, you know, those guys were, were a, a special breed and a special group of, of you know, and you th- said that with the Knicks. That's that's funny to think about that because, yeah, Patrick Ewing definitely was the only guy that, that was really doing anything uh, to, to, to even get them to where they were. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's – it's cool to think about that. Um, and I, and I kind of think like Ron Artest kind of in a way, uh, oh, yeah. was a little like, bit of that. Maybe a little too yeah. much. Maybe it's a little bit too much, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it was, <laughs> but yeah, like those enforcer guys, man, like they, they were, uh, they were, they were cool. And of course, like the NBA's image is not that now and they're trying to keep the game clean and, and, and those types of things. But, you know, because shoot, those those guys would make a plum nickel in the league now. Because I mean, it, you know, if you blow on somebody funny, it's it's a it's a tech or a 
flagrant one or whatever. So yeah, that's where I've been. I told I told you guys we lost the last great one in Matt Barnes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Draymond was that way until the until the final suspension. Until and then the it seemed final, like he yeah. was like, all right, you're, you I, know, you you're guys with win. my bread. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Why do, why do I feel like um, after um, you know what everything you guys said, like back then I felt like it was Xavier McDaniel, right? And then like all the other enforcers played for Pistons, Knicks, and Pacers, and that was it. <laughs> they had they like those teams all had like six guys that were enforcers. So like mm-hmm. I don't even think people realize like John Starks was an enforcer. Like yeah, he played offense and he shot the three ball, but like. He would go and elbow you and knock you out. Like Joe, oh, Dumars, yeah. Joe Dumars would knock you out. Like yeah. Peyton. Gary yeah. Peyton would knock you out. Yeah. Um, like they, those guys were both ways. And, and, you know, I understand how much the game has changed and how different it is, but like that stuff was fun to watch. Like, you know, we used to watch Mike get fouled. And, like, to be honest with you, like, before the Bulls started winning, like, the Bulls had no enforcers for Mike. Like, he would get fouled, and, like, Mike would get up and try to fight himself because, um, like, he had nobody to protect him at the time. And then, finally, they started getting guys around him because, remember, he lost Oakley to the Knicks. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, yeah. his other guy, I mean, who's he going to – Sellers, was was he going to protect him? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> they sent Kyle Macy out there. They're like, hey, right. man, don't let anything happen to Mike. I, I right. think – I actually thought the turning point for the Bulls was when Scottie Pippen dunked on Patrick Ewing. And walked and, over him? Oh, uh, and then walked over him and pushed him down and then, like, got in his face. And I said, finally. I said, somebody else has that same mentality that Mike does. And then that was when I just saw the switch. And it was all yeah. like Bill Cartwright's out there trying to fight people, you know. <laughs> then they went and said, we'll, we'll get our own type of enforcers. We'll get us some Bill Winningtons and some and some Will Purdue's and right. <laughs> just, just so we're clear for people listening, we're not saying we want to see people just go out there and deck people in the face. No. We're just saying like that was a special like that like era of that NBA was just like those dudes that had that role. Like it was a special role that we just don't have yep. anymore. And we're not saying yep. it was special because like they would go and like power bomb people onto the floor by any means. We're saying it's just like you know, with what the NBA is now, we just don't have that anymore. Like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was an enforcer, but also he was, you know, a top three player in the league. So, right. like, he didn't really need anyone to protect them. Um, so, and, you know, you kind of see LeBron get a little physical from time to time now. Obviously, I know everyone talks about his flopping, and unfortunately, it's very common in the NBA, but it's just, like, at that time when you saw those guys, um, it was just a special breed of player that you don't really see anymore. Now, we're again, we're not saying like we want guys to come out there and clothesline people on wide open layups anymore. Um, it just was something that like when you look back, you're like, man, that's just something the league just doesn't have anymore. Yep. Yeah, uh, I agree with that 100 percent. I definitely agree with that 100 percent. But it was a fun era to watch. Um, it was a lot of fun to, to, to be able to you know see guys, protect guys and have that role. I mean, it was so cool, so. And to piggyback off Josh's point. I do want to add, though, like, I don't think people realize, like, back, like, even in the 2000s and stuff, like, you can add people to that mix, like Kevin Garnett. Mm -hmm. um, Allen Iverson, he didn't need an enforcer. (laughs) Um, You know, those guys were definitely um, what I would consider – enforcers like they definitely would, would come back at you um 
But when you look at those, Timmy, think about it, man. Like the the Knicks, I just go back to the Knicks, and I'm like, you had Oakley, Mason, uh, Starks, like anybody you throw out there, like they, they like, hey, we're ready to go to blows, and mm-hmm. and like you said, this is not about this is not about promoting violence at all. It's just that um, that's how games were won. They were won by playing defense. Um, they were won by. Um, you know, protecting the rim, and it was at all cost <laughs> by, yeah. any, by any Truth. means necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that that when Tim brought that up, man, I was like, yeah, we definitely got to discuss that because that was just a fun um, era of basketball, and, and uh, it, it was it was really cool to see how that kind of uh, worked its way into you know '80s, '70s, '80s, and '90s basketball, which which is really cool. Um, side note. Steph Curry now has 50. Um, so he's back. He's back. He's back. Um, <laughs> the chef is in the building. Chef is definitely in the building. Um, so on that note, gentlemen, uh, I want to thank you guys again for another awesome shot callers. Um, it, it's uh, I love getting with you boys every week. It's a lot of fun talking hoops. Um, you guys, please make sure you check out uh, the 48 Minutes Pod drops on Wednesdays uh, with Timmy D and Sean Mackey. Uh, and then at large bid, man, I, I'm telling you, if you guys love college hoops, if you don't listen to at large bid, you are failing yourself. You're failing yourself. Those boys have, they, I mean, they've, they've got big boards up already. They've got all kinds of stuff going on. They are your college. They, yeah. They are your college hoops plug TB and producer Tim uh, doing at large bid, man. It, it's, it's, it's good stuff. So that drops on Friday, correct? Yeah, man, too. we're going to do a lot more on Michigan basketball because, oh, they're a problem again. They are a problem. God, Jawan good. Howard, man, I, I'm, you know, of course, you see my background. You know, I'm an Ohio State guy, but I got to give props to Jawan Howard. That dude. Hey, I just want to make sure this ain't the same. There's not a Penny Hardaway type feel to this. Or, <laughs> it doesn't feel or, like it. It doesn't feel like it, man. Hey, like, I don't want to be no yeah. Pete Bell, you know, <laughs> out here where next thing we know, um, I, I, Michigan's yeah. on I, I, Man, I, I tell you what, and, and I'll keep this brief because we're trying to close, but Juwan Howard, a, a guy that spent that much time in the league and that much time coaching, I mean, he he knows what he's doing. I mean, if you if that guy walks into your living room, he's been a part of the Fab Five NBA Mighty. championships, yeah. 18 years in the league, he walks into your living room, you're going to listen. I mean, that, that guy recruits his tail off, and I, and I think that he's got big things coming. So, uh, but, yeah. Producer Tim and TB on at-large bid drops on Fridays. Uh, make sure you're also checking out uh, Sean and Producer Tim. They've go. they got UC covered, NKU covered. Uh, they're giving you updates uh, and Tim's one-minute recaps. Uh, make sure you check those out on Facebook Live he, or Facebook uh, video. Uh, he posts those. Uh, he's got all your UC and NKU news, man. It's awesome. He gives you all the recaps of the games. It's it's uh it's definitely really cool because he's really in depth with all of his coverage. So if you guys are UC NKU guys, check him out. Um, follow us on the socials. Forty eight minutes NTWRK. Make sure you check us out on the Twitters, Instagrams. Uh, make sure you follow us. Hit the like and subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five star reviews. We love them. We appreciate them. And they are definitely, definitely felt every time you give us one. Um, it lets us know uh, that you love us and you need us, of course. Um, so uh, with that being said, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. 
Um, Happy New Year again to everybody, and uh, we will see you next week.